What is up, guys? I am Andres. This is RB3. And this is the Meaning of Podcast, where we break down your favorite film directors and the deeper meaning within their films. And we're doing a very special director, a director that doesn't have a lot of movies, but I feel like he's already like a household name. Yeah. Mainly because he's got an Oscar. Let's yeah. face it. An Oscar win will get you pretty famous pretty quick. Yeah. Uh, and I and I think it's a well-deserved win. I think it's a well-deserved uh, projection of his career, if I could say that. Mm. Um, because Barry Jenkins is the is that guy, and I feel like Barry Jenkins is an incredibly talented director. And it, this is another director that I personally feel like maybe we can revisit in the future, just yeah. because he's, all, he's, he's on the come up so much that we can go back and talk about his new movies, because I'm sure he's going to make a lot of great stuff. Yeah, yeah, hopefully. I mean, I know he, he literally retired after he made his first movie, so um, I'm hoping he doesn't, like, find a reason to retire again. But it looks like he's busy. looks like he's active. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited to talk about this. I mean, I love Moonlight. Moonlight is definitely one of those ones that I didn't love. So you're going to keep you're gonna keep saying I didn't like that movie. But I got, you know, Moonlight was, when I saw it initially, I you know, when you see I saw it with in, you. Yeah, when you see things initially, you feel a different type of way about it. You know what I mean? Like, when you see things for the first time, I personally, I just have personal problems with it. That's my thing. Like, that's why I never, bro, like, you always are like, yo, where's the tweet? Where's the tweet? I never tweet about shit because I personally don't like to give my opinion when I first leave the movie. Um, because what? I've seen you tweet about a lot of shit. Well, there's a lot of things you see me not tweet about. How was the last time I tweeted a movie? Spider-Man, when I saw it with you. Oh, but did I actually give a review about no, it or did I didn't. make a joke? Yeah, I that's what I'm saying. It. Like, yeah. <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't, because when I first see a movie, it'll usually be some personal shit to why I don't like it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. For Moonlight, I just didn't like all these fucking white people telling me how great of a movie it was. You know, oh, it's a masterpiece. Let me get, like, all these white people coming up to my face. Oh, you want to talk about Moonlight? Like, bro, I, 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 especially going to USC, you know. At USC, it's either do the right thing, you know, it's do the right thing. That's the main black movie they show. Now, since Moonlight came out, they added Moonlight to that. Get Out's the new one. Um, I couldn't get enough of all these white film school people coming up to me. So when uh, you, you saw like it. Moonlight, uh, when, I literally just saw you talking about, like, Interstellar with that dude. Can I talk about Interstellar? Like, <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, that's my thing. Uh, but when I saw it initially, I, I didn't – and plus, I had different expectations for it. Mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be more of, like, a hood movie, a gangster movie. Um, and I was less concerned with the – I was less concerned with the, the 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 content of what it was saying, and more about the formal like execution, the visual aesthetic, and the music and the auditory visual experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, as I have watched it several, because like I said, I've seen it probably six times since being in film wow. school. Um, it's on Netflix too, by the way. Yeah, they had it on Netflix. They had it on Amazon Prime for a long time. I think they started on Amazon Prime. Um, and, yeah, when I first saw it initially, you know, I was, like, disappointed because I wanted, like, Boys in the Hood with gay people. Um, and it wasn't that. Um, but then when I realized what the movie was actually doing and what it actually had to say and the the arts, the artist, the artistry in the filmmaking, from the editing to the music to the cinematography to the costume design choices to the production design, all around, 
it's ultimately to me like it's, it's a masterpiece you know wow. I probably even put it at the top really? top, top ones of, of that Dang, year bro. So. maybe it's just because I, rem- I remember watching it with you and I felt the same way I was just like oh it was alright yeah. that's kind of how I felt too yeah I mean you gotta watch it I mean should I watch I haven't should, watched it again you should watch it about six times but to, be, to, to you, watch it six times well, to no, like it well also <laughs> what you gotta do is cause like literally I watched it one time for an editing class but, but everything you said one time for a screenwriting class but everything you said can I, can I separate those two though or am I not allowed to because I think the, everything you said, the cinematography is incredible, the music's incredible, the acting is yeah. incredible. But I still was like, eh. yeah. Well, I mean, it just depends on the. I mean, to me, to me, what I what really convinced me of what this movie's power really came down to was uh, understanding that when I when I first walked out of it, I thought the first. Part was hot. The second part was hot. The third part left me cold. You know, like mm. why I just yeah, because it's with, three. It's three. Uh, yeah, it's broken into three episodes. Let, you know what? And I know we're we're breaking the rules, but let's start with movie. Well, yeah, we might let's as well. Already dip. like ten minutes into discussing. Yeah. Um, so so the movie uh, break it down for people. So the movie is break down into three parts of his life. Yeah, three age groups. W- what's his uh, name again? I forget. Chiron. Chiron. Yeah. So the uh, first part is little. Second part is Chiron. Third part is black. Um, the first part is the part that a lot of people talk about, the Mahershala Ali mm-hmm. segment of the movie where Little, the youngest won him an Oscar. Version, yeah, won him an Oscar for being in the third. Deservedly so. Yeah, 100%. And I think, uh, you know, you can see the kind of actor he is by taking such a minimal part but making the most of it. Um, so the first part is surrounding Little and, her, and his being a young kid without a father figure and with a, with a mother who abuses uh, crack. Um, how he kind of is taken under the wing of 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 Mahershala Ali's character, and um, kind of and kind of shown you know kind of shown how to be confident, how to be um, how, how to be a man, you know, and how to be okay with uh, the feelings that he's that he's feeling with uh, his you know sexuality. Um, and the second part is the second in part. High second part's in high school, and the second part is when he meets Kevin. Um, who's played by the same homie who's in when Jerome, they see Jerome, us. have you... Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm about to kill you uh, on air. Uh, have you finished it? I haven't finished it. Oh, yet. my God. What do you want me to do? You Episode want... four is like a different level, bro. Uh, like, the first three it? are really, like, um, amazing. Episode four is like a feature film, and it's just like the yeah. best movie I've seen all year. Yeah. I'm not tripping. It's the best movie I've seen. Well, yeah, I And gotta, it's one episode. I'm not going to fucking find a reason to cry like on a random Wednesday Bro, afternoon, man. You got to do it, though. <laughs> I'll watch it eventually, man. You got you to strap yourself in the chair and make yeah. sure you can't change the channel. Uh, I'll, I'll watch it eventually. do it, man. Um, but he, Jarrell Jerome, this is his yeah. first role. Mm-hmm. And him in When They See Us, especially episode four, because it's just all him in the last episode, episode four, mm-hmm. is Oscar good. Yeah. Oscar good, man. Like yeah. if he doesn't win the Emmy. It, it's like a travesty. Incredible. Yeah. But either way, well, yeah. A lot of people say Mahershala might That's what I'm going to say. He's going up against Mahershala. <laughs> 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 From True Detective. Yeah. And, and had, did you see True Detective season three? I saw the first episode. Oh, yeah. he's, he's he's pretty damn amazing in that too, Mahershala. Yeah. But I still feel like Jarrell Jerome hit different levels, man. Yeah. But, we'll, I mean, that's a whole different topic. If I had to pick, I would probably pick Mahershala oh, on the really? better performance. But oh, I just wow. feel like... I don't think I've ever been destroyed as much oh, as as Jarrell. So look at that, man. Kill me. I'm trying to kill me. I'm, I'm, never, to I, I'm not even tripping, bro. Like that's the <laughs> most like I legit don't cry in any movies. I mm. just I'm not a crier. I'm not an emotional dude when it comes to like f- films and stuff. Mm. But my God, 
Mm. I was like, this is killing me. Uh, but either way, yeah. he's a great in this movie as well. Yeah, yeah, Small yeah. part. Yeah. Uh, and uh, small part in terms of screen time, but big part in terms of sure. relevance the character. to the story. Yeah. Um, because the third part is is grown at, up at the sec- at the end of the second act he gets uh, Chiron uh, hits the bully over the head with a chair ends up going to jail and part three is like his post jail post juvenile life um, and how he like yoked up he basically became the embodiment of what Mahershala Ali's character was the first part except was like different. ninety pounds heavier of muscle <laughs> yeah 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 like, I mean when in the, when homie was enormous I forget the guy, the actor's name yeah he's in a predator he's in predator yeah, yeah a movie yeah. that I kind of liked yeah I don't understand that uh, one, how can you say you like predators but it's funny like, uh, it's funny <laughs> but don't like what don't like moonlight Half the shit say, yeah moonlight yeah <laughs> how can I like predators but not moonlight yeah 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 <laughs> I wasn't even gonna make that comparison I didn't even want to think you're actually thinking that but you don't actually it's like not that I moonlight. don't like moonlight it's just that I don't have the, the same feelings that most people have yeah you I see mean, what I'm saying I think like I've, everything you said about the movie is so true it's incredibly shot incredibly active but I just didn't get the emotional aspect of it as much as I wanted to or the plot aspect of it if that yeah. makes sense well see I and I feel like that's okay yeah I, I think I think you could still respect art on a, on a technical level yeah I mean well I think even beyond the technical level I think the the story the story in and of itself is a little more complex a little more than it's, it's kind of a harder thing to jump into than just like watching and expecting like a central plot Per se, I think that's a good like, point. Yeah, I think this movie, the format of the movie, yeah, the format of the movie doesn't isn't intuitive to like having a straightforward linear plot. But nor do I think is trying to achieve that. I think every, I think what impresses me the most about this movie on a writing level, um, you know, and to some extent like on a plot level, but it's not really about plot per se, is that each story um, has the same kind of structure in terms of like how. Um, how he visits his mom at this point during during the story, how he um, meets whoever is like the whoever's like the main influence on him during the story, how he kind of deals with the personal tragedy and battle and fight who with that person and how it's overcome. Um, you know, you see that in part and part one when he's getting bullied immediately, like when the film starts, um, how the camera kind of follows Mahershala Ali with like the smooth kind of steady camp shot when it cuts immediately to um, Little running from a group of kids who are about to uh, jump him and you know not jump him and bullying they're just kind of chasing each other but you know these kids even back then uh, knew something was uh, you know was a little bit different about Little and they made fun of him and, and bullied him from, from it back then um, so like and then that's communicated in the second part when um, the bu- the main bully dude, but I hate calling these dudes bullies because these dudes really look like hood dudes. And I think that's also why I liked it a little more over time too. I really did realize it was it was a lot more of a hood movie than I gave it credit for mm. initially because he is literally in a trap house at one point, and like all all the all the kids in the high school are like real looking shooters. Um, but uh, even even in the middle, when 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 that one dude's forcing Kevin to, to keep hitting. Keep hitting Chiron. He 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 gets knocked out on the ground. And he puts his face in the in the in the in the ice, and he has to reclaim that moment by hitting the dude with the chair. Um, you know, it, it's the same structure as the first story. And the third and the third story, that's where it gets trickier because that section is following Black, who is like an ex prisoner. Um, you know, 
And, you know, same thing and when they see us, the same thing in this movie, it really demonstrates how the post-incarcerated um, life really has a psychological toll on somebody, you know? Um, in this movie, he really has, like, nothing... Like, he, he, he really feels so empty inside that he literally has no contact with anybody from his life. Like, he, he visits his mother, like, all of that stuff. Um, but then when, unlike the first two acts where it's, like, direct bullying and, like, directly overcoming it in, like, this emotional, cathartic way, it's, like, him reliving meeting Kevin again at that at that restaurant and and uh, and driving back. That, that scene when they're driving back, having that conversation in the car. So it... it 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 is very. I feel like it's very multi-layer of what the film's trying to do on the plot structural level and on a character level, but it's very reflective. And I think like again, like I think after watching this movie, like a lot of times you really pick up on like the little the little things that keep reoccurring. It's like it, it becomes really smart and really like in and of itself a really great greatly told story. So yeah, and yeah. who plays the mother again? Um, her name is uh, Naomi Harris. Naomi Harris, yeah, Oscar nominee for that. That's she was, right, she was. She was originally supposed to be on set for I think like for two weeks, and then they only had her for three days. Um, I remember hearing about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's a dope movie, man. I think everything that is that this movie represents is like it. It, it definitely gets better. Like I think for me, you know, I was also a big La La Land fan back in 2016. So, um, so I was I was a little more team La La Land for Best Picture. Um, back then, I was you're, definitely rooting for that. I mean, you're looking at one of the biggest La La Land fans right now, bro. Yeah, no, we, we all love La La Land. Oh man, yeah, I, La La Land. I, I for adore life. that movie. Yeah, yeah, I love that movie. Yeah, I right. still know every song by heart. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely like an entertaining like piece, like 100. Yeah. percent I was definitely Team La La Land too. Team, yeah, I was Team La La Land. But, now, I think in, in retrospect, I would have been Team Moonlight. If, if, if I'm, I'm talking to that, <laughs> <laughs> but, but it, it is one. It gave us one of the greatest Oscar moment histories. One of the great greatest moments in Oscar history. Uh-huh. Uh, just with the whole like you know the Jordan Horowitz, the the, the one of the producers of La La Land pulling yeah. up the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. everyone freaking out, yeah. not knowing what to do. Yeah. Uh, and it's like moonlight. It's moonlight. 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 <laughs> it just felt like a like a moment in sports or like a moment that was scripted. Yeah. Uh, just is what scripted. You oh, you conspiracy theory guy. I don't think it's a conspiracy theory. Oh come on, you really think so? Uh, it's easily like have to have the camera perfectly right and focused, like right at the right time. Like come on now. Oh come nah, on, man. man. You, know Do you know how many cameras they have there. But either way, it was. Incredible! It was hysterical, to be honest. Uh, you didn't think it was funny? That was funny, yeah. Oh my that was great. god, I thought it was hysterical. I felt bad for La La Land. That's though. what I'm saying. The yeah. fact that they're already giving their speech and stuff. Yeah. Uh, my, have you seen? You've seen the images of like everyone's reaction to it. My favorite reaction is the Ryan Gosling reaction, mm-hmm. where he's just like laughing in the background, mm-hmm. because that was my reaction. I was laughing just because I thought it was like this. It's a very ironic kind of moment. It's almost like out of a comedy where they're just like, well, it's like, thanks, yeah, thanks, mom. Well, actually, it was uh, it was Moonlight. And it was, yeah. oh, <laughs> cool, 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 cool. <laughs> yeah. Like, it just felt funny. Like, yeah. it was just a very goofy, yeah. crazy moment. That's iconic, know. 100%. Uh, I love how they use that as, like, the promo for, like, the year after. Yeah. Like, chill, guess what craziness is going to happen at this year's yeah, Oscar. Exactly. And it didn't <laughs> work at all. Oscar viewership is still going down. <laughs> TV viewership is going down so you can't really that's true um, um but but let's uh I, let's talk a little bit about Mahershala's character um 
what's his name in the movie again? Uh, I'm looking it up right now. Sure. Uh, Juan. Juan. Which I guess means he's like, I guess, Dominican. Probably um, Cuban. Cause, Cuban? Yeah, Florida. South Florida. Oh, bro. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of Dominicans in Florida. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. Nah. But I mean, like, in this particular area of Miami, I think this is supposed to be, like, uh, I mean, it could be Dominican. I mean, Dominicans I, are usually pretty dark, Yeah, too. that's what I'm saying. Um, but That that yeah, was my Cuban. assumption. Just yeah. But um, but either way, I think uh, his character in this movie uh, is obviously a, a drug dealer. Um, mm-hmm. Slings crack to, uh, to Little's mom. That rotating shot of him. Is it a rotating shot or is it a car shot? I forget. Oh, which one? The one where he's like... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where like it follows a him, it's like cam. a wonder. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That wonder stands out, but you get everything out of his character in that one scene. Yeah, yeah, how he's like, how he takes care of business, how he handles people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's a cool... I mean, he's he's definitely uh, a really good, like, kind of father figure for for a, a little... For little that character. was my question to you, um, just because personally... Me watching the movie, and, and if you pitch that to me off, like, without watching the movie, okay. personally, I feel like, oh, that's kind of... And I also felt this way watching the movie at first, where yeah. you're just like, this random dude becomes a... This random crack dealer becomes a father figure to this random little kid. Like, it almost feels like, oh, that's low-key, like, that's not a good look, right? And that's how I felt, where I was just like, that's kind of dangerous in the sense of, like, why is this grown-ass crack dealer hanging out with this little kid. <laughs> oh, yeah. At least yeah, that's how I felt yeah. at first. I was just like, oh, I don't know if that's a good thing. Um, yeah. I mean, that's reality for it a lot is. of kids, I, I understand. Though, yeah. And that's kind of where where I saw where his heart was coming from. Yeah. I started to be a little bit more more positive on it. It's also it's also Mahershala Ali's character feeling remorseful and regret for the fact that he, he is, in fact, selling his mom crack. Mm-hmm. Um, that he is kind of destroying the community that he's living in. And it's kind of like his internal kind of, uh, 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 I guess, re- redemption for it. Yeah. Um, and even even as much as, you know, the scene where he's baptizing them in the ocean to some not exactly baptizing him, teaching him how to swim, but the, the, the symbology is that Mahershala Ali's character is baptizing Little, giving him a new life because um, because a new life is something that Juan is fighting for in and of himself. That's why he sees so much of himself represented in Little. Um, even though they have different, like, sexualities, um, he still sees being the outsider, you know, being... Uh, being be, being different than the others and kind of standing up to that test. So. Yeah, and and I really feel like Jan- Janelle Monet. Yeah, she she is also a centerpiece in his life, and she grounds him in a yeah. sense, right? Yeah, giving him a, a a different a different aspect to life. I I feel like if he didn't have her, he, he maybe he wouldn't feel a certain way. Maybe he would be a little bit more rough around the edges and not positive. Yeah. Uh, but I feel, I don't know, maybe it's just because I liked her character in the movie so much that mm-hmm. she really stood out to me. 100%, yeah. Just, she's very, she has a very small role in the movie, but I feel like she stands out. Yeah, yeah. I think this is, it's cool that she was in two Best Picture nominees in one year, um, Hidden Figures. Hidden Figures, and, um, yeah. Like, the, I think literally the two first things she's, she's acted in too. Um, but yeah, it speaks very powerfully. I mean, just, Speaking to like the 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 art the art the artisticness on a technical level of of this film, uh, the kind of uh, blue tone cinematography mm. um, on uh, the exteriors and the interiors give it like this very ethereal kind of cold 
um, kind of cold and breaking, uh, like aesthetic to it that makes that kind of makes you feel and and enthralled in like the discomfort of it. Um, and I think that's, but it also is reflective of like the moon, um, of like the moon, the moonlight itself, right at night. That kind of when you're out alone and by yourself, like you know, like Chiron and Kevin were in the second part of this movie, it's. Uh, looking onto the moonlight, you know, that's when you're, you're most vulnerable. That's when you're most yourself. And this movie is about the fight f- for being vulnerable, the fight for owning um, your sexuality and owning your personality. Um, so I think it does a really great job at, like, communicating and displaying, like, all of that just visually. Um, and even editing-wise, like I said, the first two parts move at a really fast speed, and the third part moves at a really slower speed. But I think in that sense, it's really it moves slower because it's showing you the discomfort and the pain that um, that the oldest character, Black, is dealing with as an adult and not being himself, not being able to express himself the way he would like to. So yeah. it all kind of plays into how the de- everything in this movie, from the the like I said, the camera, the editing, the music, it all plays into the central themes that are trying to be communicated through. Uh, you know, through this movie. Yeah, and, and I gotta correct myself. He is Cuban, by the way. Apologies to yeah. All the <laughs> I knew he's Cuban. I knew he's Cuban. There. I know there's a. T- I I have a little bit of a relationship with Miami, not as much as you, because you just recently came back. Yeah. But I've been there a few times, mm. uh, just in passing. Yeah. Uh, and I know basically my connection is the Col- the Colombian connection, uh-huh. and just how family visits Miami all the time. Right. Because uh, there's a lot of Colombians in in in, uh, in mm. Miami, and that's mm. the that's the connecting flight between Colombia. and uh-huh. In uh, the U.S., it's Miami. Um, so I, I, there's a lot of Cubanos there. There's a lot of Colombians there. Um, it's a very diverse city. You, you just came back. Give us a little rundown, bro. So what did you think of Miami? Miami. I'm uh, going to Miami. Yeah, I was just thinking that <laughs> too. Um, that shit was lit. And, but I will say... Um, I you got, didn't. You didn't get the moonlight experience um, in Miami. I did a you little did? bit okay. because, man, my, my boy Mike, I love my man Mike Simpson, man. I love my boy Mike. Um, but he is one of those dudes, like, if you go to any major city with him, he'll want to go to the hood of that city. Why? <laughs> it's just him. Oh, so, he just wants to see how the hood looks like in each city? I mean, we're, from, we're both from Compton, so, like, we live right down the street from each other, pretty much. Uh, and But, yeah, I mean, we went to this place called Overtown. Like, it's right by downtown or whatever. It's, like, one of the historical black places or whatever. But that shit, like, ran down. No offense to anybody who's in Overtown or near that. But, like, we went near, like, Browns County. Like, we were, like, through all the, you know, where Kodak Black and them is from. Mm-hmm. I'm like, dog, man, what are we doing here? <laughs> um, but that's that's what I feel like. I mean, I honestly, when I was down there, I thought it'd be dope. I wouldn't want to see a Bad Boys-type movie, but, like, in the hood of Miami. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I'd really want to see. Interesting. I, 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 that, that'll take a little time. I want to put Will Smith in it, too. Yeah. I'm dying the first 30 minutes. Um, I, I was... Uh... I was a part of uh, in Phoenix. My only connection to to the hood is is uh, I was a part of a little community there. Um, it was like the Mexican. <laughs> mm. <laughs> That's kind of the only connection I have. Uh, and then obviously when I was in McAllen, it was like a little little hood area. But I I didn't live there, but I, I had a little community there. Um, but yeah, Miami man, it's different, right? Yeah. It's cool. Miami I, was dope. I mean. One lady said some racist, like we had an Uber driver. No way. She said some mad racist shit. Wow, yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't too keen to yeah. it. Yeah, there's still a lot of white people there, man. It's still Florida. Well, it wasn't. She wasn't white. She was. She oh. was. She was. Uh, she, I think she was Colombian. Oh, there you go. Yeah, but she was like, I, 
I don't even want to say it, bro. Uh, don't say it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was just I was going to say, she was, you're blaming me, RB3? No, I'm not blaming you. No, she wasn't Colombian. I'm sorry. She was Cuban. She okay. was Cuban. She was Cuban, not Colombian. Okay, there you go. Um, but she was like, oh, like black woman. I was like, all right, all right. I don't want to hear enough. Oh, come on now. Um, but otherwise, uh, great city, Miami. Miami, Miami's dope. I want to go to Miami again, man. Yeah. We went when all the HBCUs was out for break. So, like, mm-hmm. Harrow was out, all those all the schools was out. Mm-hmm. So, it was just, like, a wall of black people on Miami Beach. Yeah. It was a dope. It was a good time. Yeah, but it does have, like, a, a pretty big African-American community over there, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's I mean that's really, I mean, again, like, you know, kind of mentioned, like, Kodak, you know, um, X was from was from Florida. Right. A, lot of, a lot of up-and-coming uh, rap artists are coming out of Florida right now, so mm. um, that's definitely like a hot spot. But a lot of what they rapping about is like the real, the real stuff that they represent. So, you know, salute to Florida, man. It, it is. It's such an interesting. To, interesting is an interesting word to use. State, to say the least. Florida. <laughs> Florida uh, you saw Crawl. Crawl is like. Oh, yeah, with the gators? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it, it, my roommate and, and a good friend of mine is uh, is from Florida, and he was talking to me about it. And it, it's, it's an interesting aspect of getting the two perspectives of like. Uh, a, a black guy growing up in Florida or, or a Cuban or a Latino or a Colombian homie growing up in Florida mm-hmm. uh, or Puerto Rican. There's a ton of Puerto Ricans out there or Dominicans. There's a ton of them out there right. um, versus like a white dude growing up in Florida or because my homie's like super white right. um, and he grew up in a very like, like, let's go hunting out there and shoot them gate like that kind of community like super stereotypical like white dude Florida yeah. uh, and how he's come around from that because <laughs> really? that's not him at all yeah that's funny <laughs> um, but it's an interesting to get different perspectives from Florida because I feel like it's always the punchline in every joke yeah. uh, deservedly man. so yeah. Florida Man for example is the best one of the best jokes <laughs> in any TV show ever <laughs> uh, and it's just it's just a lot of crazy shit happens down there man yeah, there man. is a lot of racism in Florida there is a lot of like Weird laws in Florida. Uh, yeah. That's where uh, homie Trayvon Martin. Trayvon Martin. Yeah, standing your that's one of the most controversial yeah. things that's ever happened yeah. uh, in Florida, and and that's the the idea of it, right? It's this communities that are kind of working together and not working together, and kind of battling with each other, right? It's it's yeah. the rich white people. Uh, what's his uh, Trump has his like freaking what's he doesn't he have his uh, his world is out there in Florida. You haven't heard about this? No. Um, so Trump has like his own little like community of like right winger, super, uh, you know, corporate ideology world. Mm-hmm. And he has like this entire like estate. It's like a golf course. Or yeah, it's like a yeah. golf course, something like that. And, and and it's all set out there. And there's like this. It's like a hardcore. Oh, right-wing. I know what you're talking about. I forget oh, what it's I know called. What you're talking about. And yeah. he goes there like every two weeks or something yeah. to like hang out with people. Yeah. Um, it's just for like if you I think if you make over a million dollars you could like yeah exactly like that's that, what yeah. it is I forget what it's called but yeah. but that that's also in Mar- Florida Margo Marlago Marlago yeah Marlago but that's in Florida you know this it's so many it's a it's a weird state to say the least but you get a little bit of what. I still feel like the Trayvon Martin case. It's, it's it blows my mind. Yeah, I feel like it should yeah. blow everyone's mind. Yeah, um, I mean that's just that's just proper improper um, policing, um, police police investigation work. Yeah, and it really I think you know this is one of the first instances that really broke broke through for the Black Lives Matter it did. movement. Yeah, um, and, and when you hear the story, the it really is baffling, bro. Yeah, because you, so, almost everyone, you know, African American can relate to that. Mm-hmm. The idea of a kid who's just walking, yeah. and just Doing just that, because he's yeah. walking and he has a hoodie on, yeah. that 
classifies it as, as holder ground. Yeah. Like that's baffling. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm sure you have personal stories that you could tell about, like you've, you've been through the same thing or, Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, for and, sure. and, and, and I know I'm on a much lesser note. I remember in Phoenix, I was, uh, I, I, I also had a, had a, I had a hoodie on and I was walking and it was winter and I had a lady, I don't, this is a personal story but going off topic, but I had a lady come up to me and, and just go off on me and she was in a, in, a, in a van and I was walking inside this neighborhood uh, and I was just doing it because I had to get out of the house mm. and and she she went off on me uh, oh, and it was very night. just for just for walking and yeah. she 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 said she was calling the cops no nah, man I'm not tripping like That's this was real and uh and, and it's times 10 for for everyone in the African-American community yeah man. Um, so it, it is this ideology of like there's so many different communities growing up in Florida so what little goes through as something that he might not relate to with someone else in the same state or the same city. Yeah. Um, so it's crazy. I, I really do feel like Barry Jenkins poured his heart into this movie when it comes to portraying Miami and portraying Florida. Yeah, I mean, he's from he's from, he's from from Florida. He's from Miami. He's from, like, the area that he's, like, kind of talking about. Yeah. So it's very, very much It's very personal. Yeah, what, what, what and, he's And he based uh, uh, Naomi Harris's character on his mom. Yeah, yeah. Which is yeah. kind of hardcore. yeah. It's really Even though Barry Jenkins himself is not homosexual, he used his coming of age experiences mm. and translated that to an LGBT like Q kind of context, mm-hmm. uh, which you know may have made it more commercial. But that's another thing that I, I, I talk to me about that. Why do you think it made it more commercial? Um, I just think, I mean, again, maybe this is why I didn't like the movie initially. Mm. But it's an easier excuse for white people to you know um, see this movie about a black coming of age story. If there's a window in for them, for not that's not necessarily like you know, excess. You know what I'm trying to say. I, I know exactly say what you're trying to say. I just want you to say it. <laughs> say I'm it. just saying they're, they're trying to see black people unless they're gay or like or slaves or something. So like that, it just made it a little more accessible. Do you still feel that to way? That story. Um, yeah, I do feel that way a lot. I mean, Black Panther was was different. Us is different. Get Out is different. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, is a lot of the same slave movies are still coming out. In fact, I saw one I saw one slave movie on Twitter. I, I didn't even look at the trailer for it, but I, I saw I saw one tweet was like, "Yo, make sure you support this the way same way I'll support Black Panther." And uh, one of my buddies quote tweeted it and was like, yo, like, if it's a nerd movie about slavery, I ain't watching that shit, period. And I 100% agree with that. I am not watching no more slave movies. Well, what, what, can, can, you say, can you say the same about this kind of movie, LGBT um, black people movie? No, I mean, if it's not it's not necessarily, like, as, like, overdone as the slave movie. Okay. Um, you know, there is... I mean, I think every you know every culture has their version of an LGBTQ kind of story. Sure, that told throughout time. But, but we have the color purple that came out. But in it's 85, still. I I, I don't know, man, because I still feel like it's very specific. It is very specific in the African American community that, as liberal as you can be, you still say, "Yo, fuck them gay people," though. Like it's still like a kind of a source. Oh, well, like, a sore oh, topic. like homo, homo, homosexuality, yeah. or I, like or like homophobia. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think some some black people are homophobic. I think you think you don't think it's it's. I mean, I want to say it's the majority. It was three weeks ago, where it was the anniversary of the transgender girl. I forget from where, from Chicago, 
where where she got killed she got brutally murdered and and it's always this 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 ideology of like masculinity within the african american community i'm projecting right now so make yeah. sure you correct me yeah you don't feel that way um i mean i think some people i think it's the same i think it's probably the same amount of white people who are anti or homophobic as black people to some extent i just That's think true. that that could be true it's just yeah, yeah. i mean there is a there's but a this is what the whole movie's about though rb3 well, it's yeah, literally well, it's about, about masculinity, like, masculinity yeah. within the African American like community. And yeah, the hood. well, it matters. It matters a little. It definitely matters a little more in in black communities. And I think there are a lot of people who are kind of rewound in time, especially for uh, black people from the South. Yeah, um, and Florida is the South, so that's like definitely sure. a spot that like you wouldn't see that necessarily be as accepted. Um, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like I feel like overall, it's 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 a concern for um, the black community to n- not downplay homophobia as much as we do um, to some extent. I don't think we do. I don't think most. I don't think most people do. I don't think most. I'm sorry. I don't think most African American people are homophobic. Nor do I believe that that's like a common thing. But I do believe that it is ingrained in us to be very close to the Bible it is ingrained for us to be very like very centered on these beliefs that were instituted on us by um, the uninformed and the uneducated and the uh, and the white communities that that enslaved us so it's you know for for what for what homophobia is in the black community it it is massively contributed to the demasculization that the white people have imposed on us through slavery and post-slavery, um, that makes us that makes a lot of black people feel like masculinity is like the most important. A lot of black people who are homophobic, because again, it's like I wouldn't say it's the majority of people. But do you but feel like it's imposed upon us from being demasculated? For do that you many feel years. like your lens might be a little bit LA colored though? Because I feel like LA is just a different planet, dude. Um, if I if I talk about the African American community in Phoenix or the African American community in South Carolina or something, yeah. well, I think like, you don't I think, feel like that's different. Like you, you said, the South. Yeah, but I think there's a lot of white people who are just That's equally true. as homophobic. But maybe maybe too. I'm just projecting my my personal like com- the Latino community. Yeah. Where if you if you watch TV or if you if you live in LA, how would you say? And you could be like, oh no, Latino people. Love-. No, that's not re- that's not true. Like I'm telling you, there is a mm-hmm. stigma in in the Latino community, huge stigma. And I can openly say that as someone who grew up in Texas and in Arizona, right. where there's a huge Latino community out there. But mm, they right. ain't down with like you. They ain't down with that. Yeah, I I think it's definitely a stigma that is needed to be overcome in, in a lot of black families. But I think overall, I think especially times have changed as of very recently. Sure. And I think, but maybe a lot I of just feel like what, what you see on TV and what you see on and like for example, like if I say name a Latino show, uh, a lot of them have like a lot of them the Latino guys and just like oh he's a, he's a Latino no it's like he's Latino and gay like yeah. it's not it's not diverse enough to be Latino. Like you have yeah. to be Latino, and otherwise you ain't diverse. Yeah, man. I mean, well, otherwise you can play off as a white dude. Yeah, I mean, and it's like that kind of frustrates me a little bit. Yeah, just because I feel like you're not diverse enough if you don't if your skin isn't super dark, yeah. because you know you got all. Oh, if, but if he's gay though, that's diversity. And yeah, it's like, oh, that's not true. That's yeah. not real. There definitely is a a lot. There's, I mean, that's what I mean. Listen, I think you know. All power to having sure, more LGBTQ yeah. like movies and all that stuff. Like I love it, you know. Uh, I think Moonlight's great and it's a masterpiece. You, but, but you I, said like, you know, white people ain't trying to see no black people unless it's gay or or, or, or slavery. Well, yeah, basically. I mean, well, because I I I feel like you know, and maybe 
maybe it's just through the movies I've been watching and consuming, but a lot of times when there are mainly white leading um, characters and there is that one black dude, per, you know, for for example, not usually, but a lot of times when the, when it's the one, if you're looking at a rom com, for example, if you're looking at a rom com and you have the one best friend and he's and he or she is black, mostly he, he's usually gay. And that's just that's the only thing that's left to his characterization, mm-hmm. you know, or a lot of times, you know, I mean, you know, power to Jesse Smollett for cheating the system. But uh, but his whole character arc on Empire really didn't come down to being more than him being gay, um, mm-hmm. even on that show. And then he had to make a whole lie about it to get himself a better storyline. <laughs> so that's why he was frustrated. Um, but I, yeah, it's just it's just it's just stuff. It's just. You know, I think I think I think particularly in 2014, 15, and 16, it was a lot of black gay content was just like coming at us like fast and furiously. And uh, I'm I'm all for it. You know, what I mean, I want to watch every single every single one of it. But it's just like that. It, I feel like they're more willing to. I feel like a lot of times, especially during that time period, you a lot of you'll be a lot more likely to see a gay black lead and and and, and or gay black supporting character in something than you would to say just a random white person be white and, or a random white person be gay and something. That's just exactly because they're trying it. to check the boxes. You know? I, I 100% so. agree with you. And I know we're probably stepping on people's toes right now. And, and I feel like that's okay. You can have a different opinion. Um, and I don't think necessarily that we're, we're some sort of opposition to that. Yeah. But, but what I, I, I kind of want to keep going down that road because I, I personally feel like it, it, it comes from this – uh, idea of, of of diversity, right? And what you're showing on screen, like you said, like that that's the connection that 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 white people have. And and this is something we've talked about for weeks and weeks, if months, if not years. And I I, I want to bring it on air on mic. I feel personally, this is coming from me, and, and this is my my disconnect to it. When I see a show like When They See Us, for example. And and I and I want to see that show succeed on on a different level. I, I just feel like there's a disconnect within uh, Hollywood ideology and almost almost like a subtext of like political liberalness. Where I told you, where it's like, yeah, look at all these women finally, and it's always these rich white women. Yeah, it's it's never like yeah, power to the girls, and it's like really because all I see is white girls right. and all I see is rich white girls. Right. That's the stories we want to tell versus something like when they see us. I, f- I still feel like there's a disconnect, RB3, mm-hmm. between African-American, the struggle that the African-American straight men face mm-hmm. when they see us mm-hmm. versus the struggle that the white women face mm-hmm. in America. Big Little Lies, for example. Right. I still feel like there's this weird, like, it's the same. It's totally the same. Like, we suffer so much. And it's like, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah. You make six figures, girl. Like, yeah. this kid gets stopped stopped on the street and he might get shot. And you're making six figures and you're saying it's the same struggle? Right. Like, it, it but just... Th- wait, didn't somebody get murdered in uh, in Big Little Lies? Yeah, I, I, I stopped watching. <laughs> <TV. Full> <laughs> um, but, but it's one of those things where I personally feel like there's this weird tension between like different diverse communities and white women where it's like people don't get that that like white women voted for trump man like white women ain't diverse (laughs) like sometimes i feel like that's a disconnect within movies and in in, like what what does diversity mean rb3 what does diversity mean if i show you a picture of like 10 white girls and be like diversity yeah (laughs) 
Is that really that's diversity? What, that's what they're trying to tell us. That's diversity. what I'm saying. That's not. I don't think that's diversity, man. I'm just being real right now. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe you just have a response, and maybe nah, I just get I mad when it's like, well, it's. It, I don't think it's like you just said, man. Like it's not enough for it to be a hood movie. It's got to be a gay hood movie. Yeah. Like. Yeah. But then where where else are we gonna get the hood movies though? I haven't seen no other hood movies come out since. <laughs> I, um, I just stepped on so many toes right now. I just yeah. stepped on your toes. Nah, right now, bro. nah, nah. Your toes are my burning. Toes. Nah, so, I mean, they're just like throbbing right I, now. I do agree. White women, you know, they're not, you know, they're not putting in. But the what work I'm saying is like the definition of diversity right now. Yeah. I personally feel like it's getting all like oddly muddled, where it's like, mm. what is, what are the diverse stories we're telling, and is it just enough to portray the same? class or the same race or the same stories like slavery movies like my god man is that yeah. really what we're gonna say is like yeah go yeah. support it because you're black and it's like man i don't yeah. i don't know man hey man that's why we're for django man because django's the one slave movie that the dude actually wins and kills all the white people like right? <laughs> i was disappointed when i saw that nate parker movie uh what was that uh, i didn't see it uh birth, birth of a nation birth of a nation yeah i was like man like come on let's get to killing these white people is what i'm waiting for we're hour 20 in like literally only 20 minutes of screen time is dedicated to killing white people. Like I just sat through a whole hour twenty of this boring ass movie just to get to know white people dying. Yeah. I was pathetic. I, I I don't know. I just personally feel like Hollywood is trying to create a community, and and it's just it's not. I, I personally feel like it's not working. On on I can only speak for myself, right? As yeah. a Latino guy, and I don't really see Latino content out there for me, mm. uh, and that's kind of disappointing. That's right. all. I don't know, and that's just something that. Nah, I mean, listen. Black black content is like on the rise. I'm all for it. Salute to Barry Jenkins for making a masterpiece of Moonlight. Yeah, um, and all... it's still everything we said before still counts. Like, yeah, yeah, still... yeah. No, exactly. Like I think this but is. But it's just an interesting conversation to have as far as like what Hollywood is portraying. So yeah, I would I would like to see um, some good good movies. I got some scripts, studios. I got some ideas. Eight two four, give me a call. Uh, um, before we go to break, can I say something to you that's that? gonna kind of pull even more into this? Speaking uh, of Barry Jenkins. So. You know what his next project is, RB3? Hey, Bill Street. Oh, dear white people. No, hey. his next project, what he's uh, working on now. No, what's that? <laughs> it's a TV show uh. called The Underground Railroad. <laughs> Hey, it's a good time. <laughs> no, but what I'm saying slave, is, like, it still goes back to slavery. <laughs> yeah. But at least that's about freeing the slaves. I know. I know. Well, actually, we haven't. I don't even think we've gotten an underground railroad movie. No, I, I honestly, yeah. like full disclosure, that sounds amazing. Yeah, that, that, that one, that, that one, I'm down for. But I it's, mean, it's like, on Amazon, by the way. Also, I'm down for. It's on Amazon. It's on Amazon. Hey, good for Amazon. There you go. I'm down for. I'm also down for black people doing slave movies because I feel like, Ooh, at the very least, that's good. At the very least, it's a perspective. Yeah. That, you know, we haven't seen before. Sure. All the, all throughout all history has been Spielberg, has been whoever sure. gets whoever. I can still counter with it. Steve McQueen, but you you yeah. have some interesting thoughts on that too. Though. Oh, I think he's black, but I just don't I just don't think he's American, so sure. it's different. But I mean, sure. it's a great movie. I think Twelve Years a Slave is like kind of the definitive slave movie. Yeah, but I if, agree. am I going to watch Twelve Years a Slave or am I going to watch Django? I'm going to watch Django because <laughs> he's killing he's killing white people. True, true. Yeah. All right, guys, we're going to head to break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about more about Barry Jenkins and his early career. What is up, guys? We are back talking about Barry Jenkins. Let's let's uh, briefly mention his uh, his first feature, RB3, because full disclosure, he's got quite a few shorts. He's got a lot of shorts. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, I don't think I've seen any of these shorts. Yeah. Uh, shorts are always a little tough to watch, but it's still a great start to becoming a director. Right. Uh, and, and like you said, he low-key... You said he low-key retired after this, right? Yeah, he, after uh, his first feature film, which is Medicine for Melancholy. Yeah, um, it's yeah. I think I think I think after that, and he did a couple of shorts too. After that too, but I think he didn't really 
I think I, I heard him say in an interview when he was promoting Moonlight, they didn't really feel like he was able to do another one. Um, he just didn't have the story, the drive, the motivation to do it. Interesting. Um, but Moonlight really brought, you know, the story of Moonlight really brought him out of that. Um, but Madison for Melikon, it's a pretty, like, it's a pretty light, breezy film. Um, it really put him on the map, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, this film did, you know, some movement and festivals, and then he got put on the list for top 20 filmmakers to look out for, I think back in, like, 2000, 2008 when this came out, or 2009. So it put him on the map, and it gave him, like, kind of a name. Um, but it didn't really make, like, a lot of money. It's a kind of a small, um, it's a super low-budget, um, like, independent feature that's just about, you know, a, a, a couple um, who are just going through San Francisco dealing with their day. They hooked up the night before, and then they're just, like, spending the next day, the whole day together, like, through the streets of San Francisco. Um, he was inspired to write this movie because right after college he moved to L.A., um, and then while he was in L.A., he, he spent a little time in San Francisco uh, to, like, kind of, you know, he was, I think when he moved to L.A., he was, if I'm not mistaken, he was an assistant director on some projects. And then he um, went um, to San Francisco to have kind of, like, a creative, like, you know, moment in and of itself. And then he ended up being so inspired, he wrote, like, a lot of scripts, and this was one of them. So, um, so yeah, it's definitely dope to see this movie um, kind of come out and and uh, and kind of represent uh, the cities of San Francisco while also kind of having his own kind of looks and criticisms of it, especially with the main protagonist being uh, black and yeah. dealing with gentrification in the city. Yeah, I was going to say that that's kind of what the IMDb talks about, the gentrification of, of San Francisco. And it's interesting because there's, I mean, we literally just saw Blind Spotting. Mm. Uh, do you remember Blind Spotting? I didn't see it. You didn't see it? Mm. Uh, it, I, I didn't see it with you, at least. Like, no, I didn't see it with you. No, but I didn't see it, though. You haven't seen it? No. It's literally about gentrification, um, about San Francisco or Oakland as well. Yeah. Um, and then there's another indie movie that came out. I forgot who released it, but uh, what's it called? Last Black Man in San Francisco. Oh, yeah. All about gentrification as well. And it's interesting because I've talked to my friends who are from uh, Oakland and San Francisco, mm-hmm. and they talked to me, a lot to me about this, right. about how it's like, oh, that, that's so true. <laughs> right, right. Even in Inglewood, like <laughs> that shit's getting mad gentrified. But so. what, and it's an interesting topic, especially right now, because of of how much, like you said, Inglewood, like it happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, and San Francisco, man, is such an interesting city. I'm always fascinated by it, even though I've never been there. Right. Um, just because I feel like that's the city. Um, I was rewatching. Uh, uh, because people always talk about Silicon Valley, uh, Facebook, all this uh-huh. kind of stuff with tech media, tech media, tech. Uh-huh. That's all for San Francisco, man. Uh-huh. Like, that's uh-huh. all that area right there. Uh-huh. Um, so it's it's a mix of, like, those yeah. kind of people. Plus Warriors. Warriors is becoming the biggest Warriors. The and, and, and I was watching uh, a breakdown just because I was really getting into, re, re-getting into the Hunger Games franchise. Uh, just because I, I talked to you about how much I love the Hunger Games and I adore the Hunger Games. But it's interesting when you see... District 1. And Uh District 1 is essentially L.A. Uh And then District 2 is like Arizona and New Mexico. And District 3 is is, is Northern California starting from San Francisco up. And Uh it's interesting because District 3 is the technology district. Uh Uh, And I feel like, I'm telling you, man, maybe just because I've been watching so many documentaries about like technology, but Uh – 
20, 30 years from now, San Francisco is going to rule the planet. Like Silicon Valley is going to be like I don't doubt the, it. the king of the world. Like for real. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's some real like trillion dollar shit where you're like, yo, that's wild. Right. Uh, so it's interesting that people make movies about it and how mm-hmm. like it's becoming not what it used to be. Right. Uh, let's move on to uh, a movie that we both loved and a yeah. movie that didn't I personally feel RB3 and I talked about it on camera multiple times. Didn't get as much love or attention that I feel like it should have gotten, RB3. Right. I don't know if you agree with me on that. 100%. Uh, if Beale Street Could Talk mm-hmm. came out last year, 2018. Uh, it was nominated for a few things, but not enough, in my opinion, RB3. Yeah, one best uh, actress uh, for Regina King. Um, That's right, Regina King. That's best right. Best actress in supporting role. Um, yeah, this movie's a masterpiece. Uh, I think this movie is a visually striking, beautiful uh from on every level from cinematography to Who shot editing. It? I'm literally about to look it up. So I'm not hundred percent I think it's the same DP as Moonlight, if I'm not mistaken. Um but it's uh the the color the vibrancy of the colors. It, it, Moonlight was very colorful in the sense it was very blue oriented. A lot of co- a lot of the, the costume design was blue oriented and the cinematography and the lighting had that like blue incandescent kind of look too. Um, but this but this movie has a very bright, like vibrant kind of feel to it, very red feel, very a lot of browns, a lot of yellows to really emphasize the autumn, the love, the the kind of the the season for love and all that that's supposed to represent. And then compare starkly to the prison sequences where or not prison but where but when um when the main character Fani's in jail, it's very stark, it's very dark, it's very uh it's very matter of fact, very uncolorful. Um despite what the rest of the surrounding movie is. Um, the movie does a great job of capturing the visual uh, visual representation of the words of James Baldwin, mm. who's, I would consider, the greatest African-American writer of all time. And it's based on on um, his poem, right? Yeah, based on a book or, a book or poem, uh, uh, If Bill Street Could Talk. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, I mean, James Baldwin is a, is a writer who was born in Harlem, um, back in like the 19, I have notes here, back in 1925 or 1935 or something like that. But he kind of came up during the Harlem Renaissance, which was the big like kind of change for uh, for new writers and creatives coming out of um, coming out of coming out of Harlem during that time. And um, you really saw like a creative renaissance. And James Bond was born in, in 1924, by the way. So he was about six, he was in this. 40s and 50s during the civil rights movement, um, 30s and 40s during the civil rights movement, which this era, which Bill Street also kind of takes place in, and a lot of his writing revolved around race in the United States, race in um, New York and Harlem, which this movie deals with directly, um, the relationship between religion and race and power, uh, and how and how all three of those things are kind of intertwined with each other. And I think if Bill Street could talk, the movie and this original source material deals with a lot of those same themes, too. Is is Bill Street in Harlem? I thought it was... Uh... That's in Chicago. Um, but I think what the... Uh, as I said in the beginning of the movie, um, Bill Street is to represent, like, all streets in um, in, in the United States, yeah. you know? Um, and particularly when it comes to... Um, particularly when it comes to the story of Fani and Tish... Um, Tish um, they are uh, a couple of people who just so happen to fall in love with each other. What love, and this movie does a great job of representing what love is and how you could fall so easily for somebody and stuff like that. And then the downsides of of 
trying to find love in a loveless system, especially mm-hmm. a loveless system for the black community. Um, that's what really this movie speaks to a lot. So, Yeah, absolutely. Uh, James Laxton is his name. James Laxton? The DP. DP. Oh, uh, nice. Props to him. He shot Moonlight as well. Yeah. Incredibly shot movie too. But this one I feel is even tops it, if that's yeah. possible. Yeah. I don't know if you agree with that. I, yeah, I definitely agree with that. God, yeah. it, this movie is like one of the most beautiful movies of the year. Yeah. Um, absolutely, man. Everything you said, it, it, it stands out quite a bit because of that love story and because like you said man the system uh this is a movie Uh, that i feel connects to what not exactly like when they see us but a little bit when it talks about the unfairness of of just being wrongfully accused and all of a sudden it's like well i'm i'm in prison right because i've been wrongfully accused and and Uh how that that was pretty common it was very that was very common right yeah i think i think that's i think that's you know that was a common practice for people uh for for police officers back in that time and during now to when they have no leads on the case to kind of point point somebody in the direction of this person did it um and that's that's definitely a struggle that african americans have been fighting for a long time that's the struggle that a lot of black leaders and black activists have have had to fight over time as well so it's uh it's definitely an issue to be addressed um james baldwin uh the writer of the book uh, he dealt with uh, racial racial injustice back when he was like ten years old. Um, he was beaten up by a group of r- white cops. So, um, so his perspective on the police and to power in general is uh, that is that being more pessimistic. Um, I think that's something that uh, Barry Jenkins communicates very beautifully in this film in the portrayal of the the main kind of police officer here. Uh, how he just unfairly picks on on on. on on Fani from the very beginning mm-hmm. um, and then abuses his power to get him locked up um, so yeah this movie this movie speaks this movie speaks echoes to both the writing of James Baldwin and the visual elevation uh, that Jenkins did for this film too yeah absolutely and, and a little bit that this movie touches on that I felt like it was refreshing and interesting and, and deep and layered was the the this movie set in Harlem, right? Yeah. The the, the connection between the African American community in Harlem and the Latino community, yeah, uh, around and that Pedro, new, Pistel. Uh, Pedro Pascal and, and Diego Luna, who plays yeah. his good friend, and how Fani speaks perfect Spanish, like legit perfect Spanish. Uh-huh. When when that scene came up and he was speaking Spanish, I was like, bro, that's perfect Spanish. Yeah. That's wild. <laughs> um, and and Diego Luna plays like one of his close friends. Oh yeah, yeah, right. And it's like in a little like. Mexican restaurant or Puerto Rican restaurant, whatever it is, I think it's probably Puerto Rican because that's yeah, the York, community. Yeah. Um, and the fact that the the and not really antagonist, but the the, the woman who's falsely false falsely accusing him is mm. a Puerto Rican woman, right? And they're and they're trying to find her and go back to Puerto Rico and right, and and how there's this this weird like push and pull between the two communities. And that scene where Regina King goes to visit. You know, boss man mm-hmm. Pedro Pascal right. in, in that that restaurant, and how that was like a there was a lot of push and pull between those two communities. But I, I appreciated mm-hmm. it because, like I said, it's layered, but you still feel that love for for the Latinos there, and, and, right. and it's and this is coming from someone who's not Latino, obviously. Right. Um, but maybe that's because I project myself always in every movie. So, right, right. Not and that's the that. that's the perspective I felt. Right, so, right, 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 right. No, hundred percent. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I think that relationship is is you know I think it it really went to show how uh fi- how nice of a guy Fani is, mm. how you know while he's f- dealing with these struggles as a black man during this time period, uh, he is still open and loving and accepting, and he's hoping that the world will be too. 
um, when he's even looking at the apartments and we see Dave Franco, yeah. like the Jewish, uh, the Jewish guy who's who's in, who's renting them the, the place, the only place, only person who is willing to rent him the place. Uh, that's because of how special of of especially nice guy that Fani is and the true belief and love that him and uh, Tish represented. Yeah, and it, but it's also like it, I personally feel like it's also like a, like a communication between like. Regina King's heart and her heart is such in the right place because she goes to Puerto Rico and she like begs her to please mm-hmm. let my son free and, and, mm-hmm. and speak your truth and let it be true and, and 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 her perspective is like I experienced this awful trauma I can't re-experience it because she has like PTSD right. uh, and she breaks down in that scene and it's a horrifying scene because I feel like I, obviously I'm taking Regina King where I'm just like what do you do in that situation and then mm-hmm. from her perspective she didn't even know who it was because mm-hmm. it's such an awful experience and everything was, you know, just it's like bring, bringing her, you know, painful memories back to the surface. And that's the last thing she wants to do. All right. So it's that that disconnect and that painful push and pull that they have as characters. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget her name in the in the in the sh- in the movie, but it's but it's a that's the that's the scene that I felt won her the Oscar. Yeah, yeah. Um, I forgot who the actress's name is besides Regina King, um, but she. Um, but that that definitely is one of that. I think I think the scene in particular goes to represent um, the trial and struggle and 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 um, and how far someone could come to proving someone's innocence. But it would just be that one little factor, that one piece of personal. Uh, thing that comes in between um, justice and injustice that really that really severs uh, people um, that really severs any chance of possibility of innocence. So uh, her name is Emily Rios. Um, okay. She's the girl. She's Jesse's girlfriend from Breaking Bad. That's where I knew uh, I really? recognized her from. Oh, okay. Because okay, I remember good. watching the movie and being like, I know this girl. She's uh-huh. uh, remember Jesse's girlfriend, right? Right. From right, Breaking right. Bad mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in the last season because mm-hmm. uh, she also had uh, the kid, Kristen Ritter. Uh, oh, Kristen Ritter, yeah, not yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the, the, she the Mexican girlfriend and the Mexican girlfriend with the kids, yeah, the son, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, that's she's great too. Yeah, she's great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think one of the one of the other big elements of this movie uh, that that was prevalent, at least from my rewatch the other day, um, was the religious aspect as well. Mm. Where, uh, oh, how can I not talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. When um, that with, scene is crazy. Yeah, with the with the mother of Fani and the father, um, and how the mother is like overly religious and and the uh, sisters too. I mean, the the, sisters, not the sisters, yeah. but the the, 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 daughters, the daughters. Yeah, um, the sisters of Fani. Um, how overly religious they are, as opposed to how Fani's father is a little more free spirited. Um, but then, but then. How how they are so clouded by their religious beliefs that they don't have any compassion for the new birth the new birth of like their of the of the, the mother's soon to be grandchild you know so it's very it's very uh, it's a very powerful scene uh, for historical context for historical context James Baldwin he uh, when he when he was growing up in Harlem. Um, his 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 stepfather David Baldwin was like this Baptist preacher, um, but he was also incredibly abusive. Mm. Um, you know when when James Baldwin was like fourteen, um, he was like a member of the church that he you know that he that his father ran, um, but he put away his his religious beliefs, um, saying that being in a, he said in one of the essays that he wrote 
um, being in a pulpit was like being in a theater. I was behind the scenes and knew how the illusions uh, was worked. So he, he very much felt like religion was a show. Um, and I think that's kind of one of the themes that was portrayed in this in this film as well. Um, how, yeah. how, how the mother's religion is used as a front to um, to mask her deeply flawed beliefs. Yeah, and, and it's it's a, it's a very realistic portrayal in the sense that that Regina King is. I mean, it's not like she doesn't believe in God or think that's crazy. It's just right. that she takes it to such an extreme. Extreme. Yeah. Uh, Fanny's mom. Mm-hmm. That it's just like this disconnect between like, yeah, I love God too, but my God, you're taking it too far. Mm-hmm. It's the you know what it is. It's that line in the movie where she says. Maybe this is a blessing. And it's mm. like, how can you think that? Like, mm. your son is in jail, wrongfully in jail, and you think this is some sort of, uh, you know, he's, he's, he should be repentant for, for having this kid. And it's like, that's how his own mother, his own mother portrays that and mm. that, those feelings. And, uh, and it's an interesting conversation between, you know, your own connection to, to faith and religion and community and family, mm. uh, at least personally for me, right? Because mm. that's, that's something that I would connect to. Uh, and having the push and pull between extremism and, and, and still being someone who's a Christian and right. being someone who has faith and being right. someone who believes in God uh, and not going to that extreme. Mm. But it, it really is that, that disconnect. That's such a good point. Uh, and it's interesting that James Baldwin had that. Um, the Get Down talks about this, too. Mm. You remember The Get Down? Yeah, yeah, of course. It's a great Netflix show, RIP. Yeah, and, and it has that kind of conversation as well. Mm. I don't know if you... you the the, uh, the one with... Um, one with um, oh, who's the actor from Breaking Bad? Uh, Oh man, I forget. He's he's the homeboy. He's in everything too. Um, but yeah, he he he's like the preacher. Like it's well, the get down was all about the preacher's kid. Like that's what I'm saying. Much essentially, right? yeah. So it's like with with uh uh, so just that. I mean, the whole the whole the whole the whole thing behind the get down, at least to my memory, I haven't watched it in a couple of years. Um, but to my memory, at least, um, the whole thing with his character was that he was uh he was being overly religious to hide his insecurities about his wife and his Mm. um, and how his relationship with his family was. Um, And I think that's often a lot of times what um, what religion is used for as a mask for something else. Oh, my God. I can't believe I don't remember his name. Oh, um, Giancarlo Exposito. There it is. Ah, I got it. it. I just pulled it. it. Yeah. He's in everything. Yeah, that's what My I said. God. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Homie's in everything. I forget yeah. where he's from. Break, I just say Breaking Bad. That's um, he's also in, uh, what is it, Malcolm X? Uh, uh, is he in Malcolm X? He's in Malcolm X, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, which which part is he in? I, he's in the, the he's in the shootout. He's in the oh oh that's right. He plays yeah. one of the homies too. Uh, okay, I okay. forget, but Man, everybody's in Malcolm X. They got like every black um, person in there for that movie. Yeah, and he's like, uh, where, where is he from? He's like Dominican or uh, Colombian. Or? No, I don't know. He was um, speaking perfect Spanish in Breaking Bad. That's what I'm saying. Like he actually is. Like look at his name. He wasn't uh, Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing. Do the Right Thing. Yeah, that's another one he was in. Um, oh, there you go. Look at that. He's Italian. Interesting. Um, but either way, man, that's real. I don't know how I don't know how you can speak to that too, but that's real, man. Yeah. Like no, no I'm saying like about the 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 religious aspect of life, where you just feel like I don't know. Mm. I don't know if you feel the same way I do. Yeah, hundred hundred percent. I mean, you know, um, I think that's at the heart of what James Baldwin and what Barry Jenkins was at the heart of what James Baldwin was saying, and what um, what J- Barry Jenkins is adapting is that. 
um, religion ultimately um, is not a fluent thing. You know, it's 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 a belief. You could believe in whatever you want to believe in, but you don't have to execute on the most uh, insincere, dire parts of religion. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's just. I think that's that's ultimately the message that this movie comes down to on that. Um, but it's also it also goes to show how religion is used as a form of power, and I think the overall theme of this movie is power, like how power, how 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 power can influence uh, one man and his soon to be family, and how you know and how they could put all the time, the money, the resources in the world into um, into trying to free into trying to free them, but ultimately the powers that be are not gonna are not gonna un- unconstrict them. Yeah, you know, so. and it's it's incredibly uh, heartbreaking because yeah. you see those scenes where where his dad and and uh, um, uh, funny, uh, 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 oh yeah, his dad and um, and the other and the other dudes, the two dads. Lot of things. Yeah, when they're at the bar and it's like yeah. it's all about the money. Like, and, how and they're trying, the money? yeah, and yeah. they're trying their heart out, and they're yeah. doing everything they can, literally everything they can, and it, yeah. and eventually, um, spoiler alert, it doesn't work. Like yeah. it just isn't enough. Yeah. Uh, and it's this idea of a son growing up without his father, not mm. because of something he did, but because of the system right. and because of the corruption and because of the way that America was run, which is incredibly heartbreaking. Um, mm. I'd be remiss, RB3, to not mention the greatest part of this movie, RB3. And, and mm. as great as the performances are, I think If Bill Street Could Talk has one of the best not just soundtracks, but one of the best songs, RB3, mm-hmm. I've ever heard in any soundtrack. And I'm, yeah. I'm putting the ever mm-hmm. uh, in full caps, like ever, like mm-hmm. legit. I, I mentioned to you before we went on air, mm-hmm. uh, Agape is, is the song, which is the theme of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Hey. And it's, it's for anyone, I, I really recommend you look it up. It's the one that they play quite throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the entire score is absolutely mind-blowing, but that yeah. song is m- magic. It's spiritual. It's mm-hmm. heaven. It's insane. I don't think I've ever... <laughs> yeah. It's just crazy, man. That's I don't know, but the score to me, I was just like, oh, my God, watching this movie, I was like, wow, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. That's a beautiful shot. But when the score kicks in, you're just like, oh, man, yeah. this I is next level. Yeah. And to be fair, the, the score in Moonlight was also spectacular. Um, too, and I think, but I think with this one, it has a little bit more distinct, distinct distinction yeah. because it's the jazz influence. It's what because again, uh, this movie takes place in 1960s Harlem. Um, James Baldwin was writing during the time of the Harlem Renaissance. That was a big kind of uptick for jazz and 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 and, tra- and uh, what's the what's the instruments called? Trombone. Tra- tra- trombone. Yeah, trombones. Yeah. Uh, I mean, all of those saxophones, all of that, like you know, the horn section and the and and throughout the entire soundtrack is really what elevates it for me. Um, but it's that free, it's that free roaming jazz, and I think that it comes directly from the period that it's adapting and the artist that it's adapting from. So, Hundred yeah. percent, I think it's one of the most beautiful songs ever written on, on a movie soundtrack. Like, yeah, ever. Yeah, it's incredible. I, I love it's called Black, Agape. Yeah, I love Black Panther, but I just I, I do wish this one would have won best original score. Yeah, I, I do feel like a lot of I, I agree with you, but I, but I wasn't mad at Black nah, Panther. No, no, of course. I, I was very happy that because I feel like of what it represents, and I've talked to you about it quite a bit too, and I've talked about it here on this podcast about bringing in hip-hop into movie soundtracks is something that 
doesn't really happen RV3. It's it's yeah. not really there if you go back and watch movies. And that's the that's kind of why I, I love that Ludwig won. Mm-hmm. Ludwig Göransson mm-hmm. won the Oscar because of what that represents. Because as someone who who wants to make movies in the future, I I I, I love the idea of hip hop soundtracks of 808s oh, yeah. and beats and, and and claps and all that shit mm-hmm. in a movie sound in a like in a movie score yeah. and not just a movie soundtrack. All right, I feel and, you. And that. make it a part of the movie. And I think that's what. Essentially, that win represents. Yeah. Versus this one is it's it's, inc- it's one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard, but it's still very traditional. Yeah. Violin, piano, like it's traditional movie score. Yeah. 100%. So yeah. even though you're right, this should have won 100. Yeah. percent um, Anything else on if Beale Street could talk before we end the Barry Jenkins episode? Um, nah, I mean, there's a lot more we could say. I mean, the movie the movie is pretty much like every scene is like a think piece kind of. Uh, you know, you could get into something really deep with every single scene. Yeah, um, I mean the scene in the where she works at the perfume parlor. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The mall or store or whatever that is. Yeah, hundred percent. That's powerful, man. That's a powerful yeah. scene. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, just because it shows, like you said, power and yeah. dominance, and how the the white men who come in there or grab grab her hand. Yeah, to, you know, to just to, to show dominance, yeah, just yeah. to show their power, mm-hmm. and and it's it's awful. Right. Just little things like that become incredibly awful. Right. Um, yeah, it, this movie is insane. It's incredible. And I feel like, what is it, Annapurna? I yeah. still feel like Annapurna should have pushed this thing even yeah, more. They could have. They definitely could have. Oh, I, I think this is one of the greatest films we saw this decade. Yeah. And it's a shame it came out so late in the year. Yeah. That we that people didn't have enough time to celebrate it. Exactly. So. 100%. Either way, that concludes our episode on Barry Jenkins. Let us know what is your favorite Barry Jenkins movie, scene, whatever it may be, I feel like this director has done a lot in such a short career as far as movies. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he's given us some of the greatest performances we've seen in actors. I mean, every performance in Beale Street, Mahershala in in, uh, Moonlight. Like, these are performances that will live on for a while and movies that will live on for quite a bit. So make sure you tweet at us. I'm at Squad Leader Ace. I'm at uh, Director RV3. And make sure you follow us. Follow us on YouTube. We're at First Cut. Keep supporting Spotify, this listens, iTunes listens, whatever it may be that you're listening to us, Anchor, whatever it may be. Yeah. Support the homies. Hashtag support the homies. Support the homies. For the Meaning of Podcast, I'm Andres. This is RB3. And we are peacing out. Peace out, guys. Peace.